Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Good morning, Greg. How are you? I am doing great, Eric. How are you doing this morning? I am doing fantastic. It is, uh, it's garbage day at my house. It's and, time uh, for us to take out the trash, Eric. That's right. I was reminded by my wife, you got to get the trash out because the, the truck's coming. The truck's are coming, Greg. So we're taking out the trash and that's the theme of today's podcast. You know, I uh, came up with today's theme uh, a few days ago as I was reflecting upon what I had undertaken in the last uh, several weeks, the end of last year, in the first part of this week, uh, or this year, as, as I have taken out a lot of trash myself. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk to people about that. Okay. So, I mean, it seems like a pretty big subject. Um, there's a lot of trash in our lives. <laughs> So yeah, so let's we'll we'll start with talking about you know how, what do you do with your aerosols, right? You, I got to make sure. Well, what do we do with those? We, That's right. Make, we don't want to harm the planet. No, I, I take a lighter outside and I just light them off like a flamethrower until <laughs> they're gone. No, I don't do that. Please don't do that. If you're listening to this, that's not a good idea. That, no, don't do that. Uh, I hesitate to hear what you do with motor oil. <laughs> uh, yeah, we won't talk about that. That's a, a whole different podcast. Excess gas, those type of things. Yeah, we mm-hmm. we don't want to admit our crimes on uh, national radio, right? That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but you, we, you know, we have come a long way, right? When I was a kid, uh, you change the oil in your car, and you don't didn't think twice about, well, what do I do with this month, this oil, right? Mm-hmm. Now, some minnows are happier. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it's it's probably a good idea that they put some regulations in place, and there's a actual way to recycle things like that. So that's good. So what are we talking about? We're we're taking out the trash. We're not just talking about, you know, we're talking about the trash, taking out the trash. We're not talking about just the ecological, uh, you know, ramifications of what we're doing. We're we're talking about personal ramifications and and all that stuff too, right? Yeah, I I basically uh, am thinking about four different things here. Yeah, we will talk about the ecological stuff, but that's not my bailiwick. But there are some things that people need to understand with that. But no, I, you know, I'm talking more about kind of that head trash that we've got that are holding mm-hmm. us back, mm-hmm. um, you know, clearing out our old way of doing things and, uh, you know, clearing out our old views of the future. You know, things are changing. We got to we gotta change ourselves every once in a while. And I think right now as we uh, have this changing of the guard in Washington and change of philosophy there, uh, it's time for us to take out the trash. Okay. Teach us. <laughs> So let's get the nuts and bolts out of the way. Uh, you know, what do we do with latex paint? Nah, I'm not going to talk about that, right? It's, <laughs> I know the answer, though. Uh, do you? Yeah. Kitty yeah. litter? What? Kitty litter. What do you do with I, kitty litter? I, I heard from a friend of mine the other day that you're supposed to put kitty litter in it to dry it up. but that's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I put it in a large pan outside and let it dry. And then you just peel it up like a piece of silicone. And you can throw it, throw it like way. a fris- frisbee with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, the my practice of law uh, started back in '92, uh, and one of the first handful of estates that I was involved in, um, 
had a person that was a, a hoarder that died. Mm. And it was as you would imagine when you have a dilapidated old home uh, that as you walked in the front door, you were you know, knocked over by that melange of animal scents, right? Uh, and Ooh. sealing the floor uh, of, of newspapers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And over my 30-odd years of estate practice, I've run into that situation on multiple times. The, yeah. the most noteworthy one was uh, when I walked into a house like that uh, and found the collection of old um, ammunition and mortar shells and things wow. of that nature. Okay. <laughs> uh, a quick call to the bomb squad was Seriously. made. Seriously, yeah. So, so that they could uh, resolve what had to be done with those. But, uh, but an overall uh, theme that I've seen repeatedly outside of the hoarder situations is people not knowing what documents they need to keep and how to keep them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when they get to destroy and when to put them out. Uh, and I have found that overwhelmingly people keep things too long. Yeah, um, okay. Uh, and so, you know, just as a rule of thumb, you know, if it's a tax-related document, oh, and by the way, in full disclosure, this conversation comes as a result of my wife and I clearing out a filing cabinet that had uh, many years of old receipts and things like that in our house. Mm-hmm. And she's like, do we need this? Do we need that? No, we don't need any of this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, if it's just something that's a consumer card payment, things like that, well, you pay it, you recognize that they have made the credit the right way, then you don't need to keep it unless mm-hmm. you have something on there that you need for taxes. Mm-hmm. But short of those type of things, you don't need that. You know, taxes them, uh, you know, when, if you file your taxes, there's a four-year statute of limitations essentially for them to challenge what your return was. So you'd want to keep four to five years of tax-related re- uh, matters. I do recommend that you keep your tax returns themselves, uh, but the backup documentation, if they haven't uh, come reaching for you with an audit within four years, there's no real reason to keep that other stuff out there. So other documents that people tend to have and things that I've seen over the years that are that seem like they make sense but don't really need to be done, uh, I've seen people repeatedly paying the cost of a a safe deposit box to keep their deed in the safe deposit box. And there's absolutely no reason to do that. Uh, that's A deed is a recorded public document, uh, and um, if it gets lost, then you can get another one. So there's no reason to have that in a lockbox. And you would be surprised the number of times that in an estate I've had to go through the hoops of uh, getting a representative from the state to go with me to the bank to open a lockbox to see what's in there, only to find deeds, uh, birth certificates, life insurance policies. Although life insurance, at least it makes some sense that they're in there for some, but mm-hmm. many times they're old and um, out of date, meaning that they've expired type of thing. So, gotcha. uh, so if you do keep a locked box, uh, you know, use it for tangible stuff of value don't or don't worry about putting your your important legal documents in the bank in a lockbox uh, unless you think somebody's going to steal your will or something like that 
Uh, and if that's the case, then you should be talking to somebody like myself and uh, having the lawyer hold the document, not the cost of that. Um, so basically documents, you know, four years for tax things, anything other than that, a year, clear them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any other specific questions you might have on documents, Eric? No, I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm assuming shred them or burn them, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I... Uh, I don't think that we can uh, say burn them, right? Uh, the good old EPA is not going to like us on that. So shredding services are, are you know, what you should do to protect yourself on those consumer credit type of things. Uh, in this era of identity theft, any data that you can put out there that they can use to, to create your identification, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we got to be careful about. Yeah, destroy it. So that's the physical trash, uh, and uh, by the way, as part of that whole uh, exercise I did over the course of the last uh, few weeks, I had a bunch of physical junk taken out of my house uh, and was happy to say that I wrote a check for somebody to take that stuff out instead of myself doing it. Yeah, I mean, the, the check to somebody else to have them carry it or the check to your chiropractor to fix what you broke. <laughs> Is a, is a good thing because I got stuff I've got to get out of this house and I'm not hauling it up the stairs. I'm sorry. That's a, I'm, I'm well beyond those years of wanting to move a refrigerator. There comes a point in your life where you realize your limitations. And then several years after that, you're reminded and then you actually start living by them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'd, I'd much rather have my wrist cramp from writing a check. I don't. Does anybody write checks anymore? Um, what's a check? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I'd, I'd rather have my wrist cramped from having to pull the cash out of my wallet than my back seize up halfway up the stairs holding a 17-ton refrigerator. But that's just me. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah, so similarly to the way that you know I had a full uh, junk load of physical stuff in the house that I brought in somebody to take out, uh, we as humans, we accumulate head trash mm-hmm. uh, that uh, most of us never take the time to get that head trash out of there mm-hmm. and, and we just continue to dwell on it you know it it manifests itself in your uh, outlook on life uh, it manifests itself in your um, philosophy with regard to money uh, and every once in a while you need to to take a look at what is that head trash because it can be holding you back and yeah. getting it out of you. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and people get hung up on it very, very easily because it's learned behavior. That's all there is to it. It's, it's learned behavior. You learned it from somewhere, and usually it's your parents. Um, and a lot of us, a lot of people listening to this call, their parents grew up as children of, of parents that lived through the Depression. And so maybe they passed some some hoarding techniques uh, onto their kids who then kind of pass that on to you in, in finances and uh, whether it's positive hoarding or, or bad hoarding, right? Money under a mattress doesn't grow. It actually loses value. So how do you do it uh, so that you can, you know, make some money on that money? Uh, there's, there's all sorts of ideas out there that are just wrong because we've been taught wrong. You know, along those lines, Eric, uh, I'd like to recommend to the audience a book uh, called The Soul of Money hmm. by Lynn Twist. It's been out for a long time, uh, but I, I read that uh, last year, uh, and it is logical, but we don't really 
recognize it as we're going through life, how much our current uh, belief structure and our relationship with money was formed by our observations of our parents and those type of mm-hmm. things. You know, mm-hmm. uh, money doesn't grow on trees, right? You know, whatever, whatever the narrative around your house, you know, that is subconsciously driving many people to this day, you know, many years after they've heard those type of things. Uh, and it's that mind, uh, that subconscious narrative uh, that really does affect your relationship with money uh, and your ability to uh, live your life to the fullest as you want to define it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, when we talk about getting rid of the head trash, as we've talked about, I, I run two businesses and I've got many people that work for me. Uh, and I've got lots of aspirations on how I'm going to impact people with my march to a million and those kind of mm-hmm. endeavors. And, you know, like everybody else, 2020 was a, was a rough year, right? Lots of uh, goals, lots of uh, initiatives that were not able to either be implemented or didn't do anything near what uh, they were expected to do. Mm-hmm. A- and as I was doing my year-end reflecting, I knew that that head trash from 2020, uh, taking that into 21, was not going to do me any good. Yeah, good point. Uh, and so, you know, I, I have... Uh, developed a, a journaling practice myself after many, many experts have extolled the virtues of such a practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I sat down uh, as part of my own taking out of the trash at the end of 20 uh, and, and wrote down, you know, all of the things that didn't work the way they were supposed to, uh, all of the initiatives of 2020 that came up short, all the the failings, as it were, mm. um, and I, I dumped that out in my journal, and then I also dumped out all of the lessons that that learned, all the blessings from those challenges, mm. uh, and resolved. Uh, okay, I shut the door on that head trash. That's that's done. Yeah. Now we move forward. We take we take the lessons and move on. That's it's powerful. How we re- it's how we respond. Uh, not what we just can't dwell on that head trash. Hmm. So how do you get rid of it for good? Right. I mean, how do you, I mean, putting it down and then saying, okay, it's gone is one thing, but not revisiting it and, and, and thinking about it again is the, uh, the other piece. How do you do that, Greg? That's been the, the power for me uh, of after many years of trying to get started with a, with a regular exercise of, uh, of journaling, uh, that whenever I feel those coming back, uh, I put them on paper. There you go. Okay. Uh, and and you know, after I get them all down on paper, uh, then resolve, okay, that came back for a reason, maybe mm-hmm. to remind me of the lesson I learned, mm-hmm. but it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice because you can turn the page, right? I mean, that's the, right. that's the whole thing. Turn the page and then it's blank again. Metaphorically. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So the next thing I wanted to talk about, you know, clearing out the, the trash that is the old way of doing things. Okay. You know, as we talked about many times in 
uh, our, our podcast discussions here, you know, the old ways of saving for the future, of planning for the future, of using your money during your lifetime, uh, they're not the ways that we are going to need to live the life that we want to live in the future as it's going to unfold in front of us. So we need to take a step back. We need to kind of test our assumptions on some of these mechanical ways that we have been saving for our future uh, of using our money and asking ourselves, does this really uh, reflect what I want? Where does this come from? And should I change it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, if, you, if you go back to the soul of money uh, and the way that your parents' patterns impacted your, parent, your patterns, many of those patterns for your parents, well, depending upon when, right, they were either set in the, you know, back in the Depression era mm-hmm. uh, or they were set in the roaring uh, go-go 80s mm-hmm. uh, and things have fundamentally changed in the economy and we have to develop our own strategies for where we are at now and what it looks like going forward as we've talked about before. Yeah, and, and just, just a quick personal story on my side. Um, my parents, it, was, it wasn't necessarily taboo to talk about money in our family, but we never did. Now, we didn't have a lot, um, that, that was for sure, but um, I remember I had way too much money when I was you know, much younger in, in junior high, early junior high, because I would pay for route. Right, and I and I made money from that, and so any kid who's 12, 13 years old who has you know a couple hundred bucks a month is what I was making, you know, in my paper routes. That's way too much money, you know, and I didn't know what to do with it. And I remember specifically one time, my my dad and I were at the airport. We were picking up my mom. She had gone back to help a family member, and I had learned how to flick pennies. Do you remember how to do that, Greg? You flick pennies. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was, I, I'd done that a couple times and I know that he wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention. And then I, I dug into my pocket and I, I had a dime and I, I flicked it and we were on the escalator and it, it clink, clink, clink. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, just flicking pennies. It was, that, that didn't look like a penny to me. I, no, it was just a dime. He was so mad, Greg. He was so angry. He's like that. That's a dime. What are you doing? Just get, you need to pick that up. So he, he showed me that he was frustrated with my lack of awareness of money. He showed me that he was frustrated that I wasn't more um, respectful of the money that I had. But we never talked about what to do with it. We never talked about truly saving it, putting a certain percentage away. We never, we never talked about any of that stuff. So that was tough to learn in my adult years. You know, I got married young, and so my wife and I had to figure that stuff out for ourselves learning how to respect money, learning how to respect what debt was, because, you know, I, I never had debt when I was 12 and 13, but surely it was very quick to, <laughs> a lot of companies offered to give me debt <laughs> in those early 20s. Um, so yeah, it, it's really interesting to see different people's perspective. And, and I'm a behaviorist by nature. I like to observe behavior and, and watching people around me and, and, and learning from them and, and what how they learned. Um, it's so interesting to have those conversations about how people learned about money and, and whether it's saving, whether it's spending, whether it's debt, good debt, bad debt, people have no idea. And there's so many different schools of thought because so many different teachers. Yeah. If I look back at my own history and where I am today, 
you know, I grew up the son of an entrepreneur. Mm. Uh, and so uh, my whole perspective on money uh, has a certain, uh, shall we say, um, allowance for the variability of income, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, if I was brought up by a, a wage earner uh, yeah. that had a steady paycheck, uh, you know, no, I grew up with, with my father uh, struggling to make payroll, struggling to provide for a family of seven kids. Holy cow. Uh, yeah. And never lacking. We didn't, we didn't have abundance of things, but mm-hmm. we had a, had a, a nice middle-class uh, upbringing. Uh, and always, um, always, there's always was a financial solution, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the the lesson of an entrepreneur uh, that you you keep plugging ahead, you yeah. keep moving forward, you keep your chin up, and you keep looking for ways to uh, to provide value, provide service, and that ends up uh, providing you know for your family and your needs. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, and unfortunately, um, as we you know, are, sit here in you know, 2021, uh, there are not enough people that have that exposure as they are growing up. Uh, and mm-hmm. we're, we're losing the entrepreneurial class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. So I want to, you know, the last head trash or the last trash I wanted to talk about was um, clearing out our old views of the future. You know, okay. We we have um, depending upon amount of exposure to the media. Um, I might have shared with you one of our earlier conversations that I basically stopped paying attention to the broadcast news uh, about uh, four years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was driven away from it, and I was also a, a consumer of radio, uh, you know, talk shows and that type of stuff up at that point. And, and I stopped consuming that. I, I do still consume news uh, in the print form so I can moderate it myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, ama- it's amazing how quickly you can get through a newspaper, <laughs> you know, yeah. as opposed to sitting there in front of a, new, a TV news show and having it uh, dripped uh, on you. And you know, the point is, when you are constantly fed the negativity uh, from the broadcast media that is doing that to get ratings, get you back the next day to see what the next bad thing is, uh, it alters your view of the future. Mm. And you t- every once in a while, you need to take a step back from that and recognize just how uh, incredibly uh, fortunate we are especially here in the U.S., uh, but as a, uh, a society and as a species uh, of what's happening around us. You know, when you, when you lose yourself in the political fundraising uh, arguments for, you know, better water or better air or any of that stuff, you, you lose track of just how far we have come in the last several decades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my dad grew up in Pittsburgh. For God's sakes, <laughs> the, the skies were <laughs> skies were gray because of coal in the air, right? Yeah, uh, I don't think you see much coal in the air over by you, right? Not so much, no. Yeah, yeah. 
but you back in the day, the the, the clouds, the plumes would <laughs> would go everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and part of my um, my optimism for the future um, is, is from a book uh, by Peter Diamandis uh, called uh, Abundance. Have you ever read that one? I have not. Yeah, uh, it's it's a great read for perspective uh, on on really how we have evolved. Uh, and all of the, the ways that technology has improved our lives and will continue to improve our lives. And as we talked about in the last podcast about the, the amazing uh, uh, quick uh, production of the vaccine for mm-hmm. COVID, uh, that wasn't possible uh, uh, until now. Yeah. Uh, and and that is mirrored if you look at all the advances that are happening with uh the, the, the knowledge based upon DNA and all of that stuff, and it's, it's well beyond my comprehension, but the point I want to make is uh, day-to-day uh, noise will take away your focus on just what is actually happening uh, and how promising the future is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Greg, absolutely, and uh, I, I will say... You said you've kind of been away from mainstream media for the last four years or so. And you described it as, you know, when you're in that, it's just kind of this drip that you have to put up with. Well, I'll tell you, in the, in the last four years, it's, it's not a drip. It's more like waterboarding. It's just, it's just terrible. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm of the same mindset. I've moved away from it. I don't, uh, I don't allow myself and my time to be taken up with somebody force-feeding me anything. Um, I'm... I'm doing the same thing you are. I'm I'm taking news from where I want it on my terms. Um, I digest it as I need to and I want to, and uh, I get a lot of different viewpoints that way. And I'm because I'm I'm not just going to stay on one side or the other. I want I want to know what other people are thinking, uh, but I don't want them to tell me what to think, right? And I think that that's exactly what you're talking about. I love the fact that you brought this up today. This is a great topic for this podcast. Thank you so much. A pleasure to have this conversation with you, Eric. And I, and I just wanted to mention one thing in closing here. Um, uh, have you ever taken your kids down to uh, Disney? Never Disney, but we've we've gone to a couple theme parks in uh, in Texas, specifically, and, and uh, yeah, so theme parks, but not Disney. So I'm not I'm not a huge uh, Disney fan compared to you know, many families, right? That it does all the mm-hmm. time, but but I've uh, been there a couple times with with my daughter and. One of my favorite rides um, is actually uh, the uh, ride that uh, Walt had designed for the 19X World's Fair, hmm. uh, where you, you go through, uh, it's a real old thing, but you go through these, these series of rooms. That it kind of moves you through it. Uh, and there is a, 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 a worm song, right? Those, those ones that get in your head, you can't mm-hmm. get rid of it. Uh, it's not as not as bad as the uh, it's a small world, but uh, but it goes something like it, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow at the end wow. of each and every day, uh, and we would be much better off if we closed our days with that little jingle hmm. than the the crap that we close our days to these days. Seriously, that's a beautiful thought, Greg. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. Take care until our next time. All right, sounds good. And, of course, to you, the listening audience, thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont.
If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.